At the National Book Awards on Wednesday night, the program ran a close second to the winning authors for its diversity and its high entertainment quotient. Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. The evening's master of ceremonies, Larry Wilmore, brought to the gala the same sharp wit he had shown as host of the nightly show on Comedy Central. Yet the show stealer was no TV star. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me each Friday with the Book World News, and he has all the details on the winner's and the scoop on the surprise hit of the night. Welcome back to Beyond the Book, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. So on Wednesday, the National Book Awards were given out, and of course, the Publishers Weekly was there to cover the event. And what I believe your reporters noticed was something a little different about the awards this year. Tell us about that. Oh, yes, indeed. Publishing's big night, and it was a big night indeed for the 2016 National Book Award winners, which included Colson Whitehead in the fiction category for The Underground Railroad, stamped from the beginning the definitive history of racist ideas in America by Ibram X. Kendi for the nonfiction award, Book Three of March, the graphic novel by Congressman and civil rights leader John Lewis, took home the prize for young people's literature, and Daniel Brzezinski took home the poetry honors for the performance of Becoming Human. So congrats, first and foremost, to all of the winners, and so much to say about what was a really great list of books. And you know, most notably, it's, a, as you know, a very diverse list with three African-American winners. And you know, it also marks the first time that a graphic novel won an MBA for young people's literature. So another sign of how that format is growing in popularity, as well as a sign of just how compelling and, and might I say, timely uh, John Lewis's personal story is. Well, as you say, indeed, congratulations to all of the winners. But I understand that uh, for the people in attendance, there really was someone who stole the show. Who's that? Yeah, I think so. And it, that's first-year director of the National Book Foundation, uh, Lisa Lucas. Now, uh, she certainly did not steal any attention, per se, away from the fantastic authors who won the awards. But let's say this. you know, How Lucas, who came from the Lit Mag Guernica, ran the MBAs this year and has been running the foundation, it drew, has drawn rave reviews so far, most notably because she really made the awards fun. Uh, and she's really brought an element of fun to her running of the National uh, Book Foundation. You know, and that's right. It's been kind of fun. Reading has been fun again with Lisa Lucas at the helm there. Uh, for example, you know, she's you know, reached out to bring uh, more people from across the spectrum into the National Book Foundation, including uh, the National Basketball Association, which uh, has been you know referred to as the other MBA here. David Steinberger, who's the chairman of the board of the National Book Foundation, said from the stage that everyone was asking where they found Lucas because she truly is fantastic, and indeed she brought a great deal of enthusiasm to the awards. Uh, it was really a breath of fresh air for the National Book Foundation. And it, that's kind of exactly what I think the book world needs right now. Readers, of course, can check out our coverage of the entire evening on the PW website, which, as you mentioned, included some really funny stuff uh, from host Larry Wilmore, who's the former host, of course, of the nightly show on Comedy Central. Wilmore serves the MC for the evenings. And, you know, as you might have guessed, there was something of a political nature to much of the commentary that evening. But I'll let you check that out on the PW site. I won't ruin anybody's jokes here. 
Well, of course, I'm glad to see, Andrew, that you've had some fun there in the book business, and everybody is looking for some fun from time to time in the book business and all other businesses. But on a less carefree note, the AAP, the Book Publishers Organization, has released sales numbers for the first half of 2016, and they're not telling that happy a story. Yes, indeed. So, you know, we've known that this was coming, but we finally got the numbers. And uh, the first half of 2016, the news has been not so good. Adult trade book sales have dropped about 2.8% in the first half of the year compared to the same half of 2015. This is according to figures released by the AAP, that's the Association of American Publishers, as part of its stat shop program. Uh, and a bit of good news, though, at least we can say that sales in the children's YA segment was up. That was a very slight gain, but up about uh, just about 1% during the same period. Um, now, within the adult books category, sales of downloadable audio showed once again that they're a real strength for publishers, up 32.6%. And these are like gaudy ebook numbers like we used to see in the past when the ebook market was just starting out. Audio was really starting to show that kind of growth now. Uh, but the only other format to post a gain in the first six months of the year was trade paperbacks. And I think that's largely because uh, col you know, adult coloring books for the first half of the year remain pretty hot. Uh, and no surprise, the largest decline in the six-month span came in the ebook format. Ebook sales are off by 18% over 2015 for the first half of the year. And ebooks accounted for about 24% of total adult sales in the first half of the year. And that's down from almost 29% percent in 2015. So I know we're like a broken record on this podcast when it comes to uh, declines in ebook sales, but again, I think it's worth pointing out that it's happening and publishers continue to say that they're not alarmed, but I think they should be. Uh, at the same time, we also learned this week that bookstore sales for the month of September were up about 1.7%. Uh, and that's according to estimates released by the U.S. Census Bureau. But after posting about a 6% increase in the first half of 2016, uh, that over the, the similar period in 2015, the growth of bookstore sales in the third quarter uh, has started to level off. And for the first nine months of the year, book sales are up only about 3.8%. Uh, it's good news that they're up. But again, that sales growth is leveling off a little bit. But you know that growth in bookstore sales, is, I'm sure one reason why publishers are not as concerned as they normally might be about ebook declines because they do see ebook sales as eating into bookstore sales. And I think they've wanted to prop up bookstore sales for some time. But now that they're starting to level off as well, I think we may see a bit of a pivot in strategy for 2017. So stay tuned. Well, you know, on our last conversation, our podcast last Friday, Andrew, you told us about your trip to Books in Browsers, the conference uh, in San Francisco, and you've got more reporting on that in Monday's issue. And the subject, the future of reading, ties in with a panel that you and I will be doing tomorrow, Saturday at the Miami Book Fair. Yes, you know, I've had a little more time to chew on what I heard from the stage at the Books and Browsers Conference in San Francisco two weeks ago. And the more I think about it, the more I think it's really become sort of a vital conference for publishers and librarians. And that's because it really focuses on how storytellers are using the full range of digital tools that are now available to them. And the implications that has for the future of books and reading, I think, are pretty important. Now, as our listeners may know, the Books and Browsers Conference is organized uh, by PW Contributors 
writer Peter Brantley. And I actually think the seeds of this year's, the 2016 Books and Browsers program, were first planted uh, almost two years ago by Brantley. That was at the 2014 ALA Midwinter Meeting in Philadelphia. And a talk that he gave there, uh, which he conceded at the time, was a bit edgy. He implored librarians to think more broadly about their roles in the future of storytelling and to get further upstream in the creative ecosystem. You know, there was this whole new world of publishing exploding right before our eyes, he implored people, and but we're not really doing anything about it in any kind of concerted way. Instead, we're arguing over uh, applying old analog era models to ebooks and libraries and, and, and ebooks in general. And I think that was a pretty prescient talk that Brantley gave back then because, you know, ebook lending in libraries has remained a pretty fraught topic for libraries. Uh, you know, these strict licensing regimes and artificial analog era restrictions are clashing with what users are expecting now in the age of Netflix uh, and Amazon. And, you know, I think it's raised issues for libraries and publishers alike in that libraries have had a fairly well-defined mission for the past century or so. That's to collect, preserve, and make our cultural output available. But as more of our cultural output is being born digital these days and has become network dependent and, you know, increasingly shared on platforms like YouTube and Facebook, well, what are libraries going to collect in the future and how are they going to do that? You know, if print is no longer the center of the creative universe – do libraries simply accept a diminishing role or do they seek new roles? And publishers, I think, are facing similar questions. You know, as digital storytelling evolves, uh, will the book, as it has existed for centuries, become a niche product? Uh, are publishers of today going to simply yield the future of storytelling to uh, to the app world, to the Googles, Facebooks, Apples, and Amazons of the world? And these are the questions that I really found at the heart of BIB's program this year. And I talk about them in a little bit in a column that you can read in Monday's issue of PW. And, you know, in an age where technology is advancing so fast and shaking up institutions with alarming speed, I think it's important for publishers and librarians not only to anticipate what might be just around the corner for them, but also was further down the road. And I think Books and Browsers is a great conference to do that at. Well, indeed, anticipating what's around the corner as far as reading and publishing goes is something not only of concern to librarians and publishers, but also to readers. And Andrew, you and I are headed down to Miami for a special panel discussion Saturday, November 19th, tomorrow at 12 p.m. from page to screen, multimedia storytelling and the future of reading. And as we have talked about so many times on this program, the rise of smartphones and tablets presents a fascinating, perplexing challenge for reading and for books. All at once, the book moves from the printed page to a screen, placing it next to every and all other media. How the book will get along with its new neighbors is a question we're going to pursue with Raphael Lima, a Miami novelist, screenwriter, playwright, and journalist who has produced uh, plays, written feature screenplays, as well as uh, numerous documentary projects for PBS, as well, finally, as a, uh, including a novel that was an Amazon bestseller, Zero Point, The Triangle Conspiracy, uh, joining Raphael Lima will be Kristen McLean. She's director of new business development at Nielsen Books, and she keeps uh, an eye on the numbers, and she'll ground us in some important statistics and reveal, I think, some surprising things uh, about the future of reading that will give people some reason for hope. So that all comes up tomorrow, Saturday, at the Miami Book Fair. It's free, of course, to the public at noon, and the program is called From Page to Screen, Multimedia Storytelling, and the Future of Reading. 
Thank you indeed. As always, Andrew Albanese, Senior Writer for Publishers Weekly, for joining us, and we'll see you in Miami. My pleasure, as always. Coming up next on Beyond the Book, at Indiana University Bloomington, Professor Cassidy Sugimoto is a researcher of researchers. She peers into the world's scientific labs to listen to the voices within, and she asks, who has a voice in science, and what does it matter who is speaking? The characteristics of the speaker frame notions of credibility and authority, um, frame who we trust and how much we trust what they're saying. In science, this is also the case. Certain voices are heard and valued above others. However, the voices heard in different disciplines also affect the knowledge that is produced. Professor Cassidy Sugimoto, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clearance Center with its subsidiaries RightsDirect in the Netherlands and Ixis in the United Kingdom. CCC is a global leader in content workflow, document delivery, text and data mining, and rights licensing technology. You can follow Beyond the Book on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to the free podcast series on iTunes or at our website, beyondthebook.com. Our engineer and co-producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. 